Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah. I want to welcome all listeners to the first ever episode of Let's Talk with me, Uzair Shafiq. Um, obviously, I announced on Instagram that I'll be launching this series. Um, many people have asked me to do a lot of talks and explain to the youth in terms of inspiring and motivating. So I thought, let's just start a mini podcast. Um, inshallah, we'll see how this runs. Today is my first episode. Um, so let's see how this goes, inshallah. I've seen a few podcasts myself online, uh, but I want to get to the real world and real life feeling and experiences out in the open, which people can relate to on the platform. Uh, so let's see where it takes us. Uh, now, my first guest today um, is our local imam and a friend, I'd say, Mulana Taqir. Assalamu alaikum, Mulana Sab. Wa alaikum, salam, wa I want to thank you for taking time out to sit with me, inshallah. Alhamdulillah. Uh, second of all, thank you, uh, a big thank you for opening the masjid doors for me. Having this mini podcast, this discussion here, alhamdulillah, it's been uh, three months, so it feels quite amazing to be inside the masjid. Um, so just a brief introduction to Mulana Saab. Mulana Saab started his uh, studies in Darul Bolton in 2004 uh, and completed design course, graduating in 2010, alhamdulillah. So we've got quite a bit of knowledge of those. Uh, inshallah, the aim of this podcast is for everyone to take some sort of benefit from this, uh, apply it to their own lifestyle, to their own experiences or their future with their children or the youth themselves. The word youth will be used quite a lot in this. Uh, when I say youth, I don't mean just 13 to 16 year olds, I mean the 18 year olds, 23 year olds as well. So when I say, first of all, how's lockdown and how's it been treating you? Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, inna alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The lockdown, well, it's been uh, strange because obviously we've not experienced it in, in, in our life ever. Yeah. And we won't imagine that within a few months that the whole world will come to a standstill. So there's negatives and there's positives to it. Many, many ulama have mentioned a lot of good things about this lockdown. And obviously the negative was that it fell in the month of Ramadan. Now the month of Ramadan that's just gone past has been one of the most strangest Ramadan we've ever had. Uh, that the because Ramadan, especially for men, is connected to the masjid and the masjid being closed, uh, that was something strange. And for us as well, as imams, we would all day prepare our dars, you know, be delivering our dars, our speeches. But this Ramadan, you know, not having that, not having people behind you to read namaz, so it's been strange, yeah, alhamdulillah. But the positive things is that Ulama mentioned is that people have had the chance to, you know, ponder over their lives. They've sat down at home, nothing to do. So there, a lot of people, you know, spoke to my family members. They've mentioned like good things that, you know, and, you know, started making change in their life, which they probably wouldn't even thought about during the lockdown. So Alhamdulillah, we have to remember as Muslims, it's from Allah. So whatever it is, we just turn back to Allah, inshallah. No, no, Alhamdulillah. I mean, I don't know about other people, but personally, I felt, I don't think I realised the importance of the masjid um, and the unity it's bring to the whole community. Obviously, you know, we're always here, everyone sat around till late yeah. night, till suhoor time. Uh, people are sat in it, take off, uh, until a couple of months, uh, months ago, until they shut down. So it's effectively been a huge part and factor in life. Uh, so inshallah, we make the old masjids open again soon, inshallah. Inshallah, yeah. Inshallah, so, are you ready, Mulana Saab? Yeah, alhamdulillah. Before you start, I'd just like to say Jazakallah for inviting me on your first uh, podcast. It's a great initiative because obviously... Even before the lockdown, if we see most of the youth, or not even the youth, it's become a trend that we are uh, taking our deen from social media and internet. So that's why it's important that we have the right knowledge, because on the internet, even though there's a lot of good and khair, but there's also a lot of evil and bad. So sometimes what happens, we take uh, the evil thinking that it's good, 
So that's why I think it's a great initiative. Uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept it from you. Make it beneficial for us and all the listeners, inshallah. So inshallah. yeah, inshallah, let's start, brothers. Uh, inshallah. So I'm ready as well, so let's talk. So my, my catch line, just to let you know, because you're the first one, is are you ready? And just to say, I'm ready. And I say, I'm ready. Let's talk. <laughs> so let's carry on, inshallah. Uh, so the first topic, Mulan Sahib, is namaz. Um, obviously, really important. How important is Salah in Islam? And could you stress its importance in a person's life? Uh, namaz, Salah, obviously, as growing up as kids, right from the age of five, six, when we went to Makkah, we, we've been taught on how to pray namaz. And even in our, uh, our teachers have explained the importance of namaz. So we all know the importance of namaz. Uh, we know that it's a pillar of Islam. So the, the Prophet ﷺ mentioned in a hadith that Islam is, uh, has five pillars. And amongst them five pillars, one is, is, is uh, salah. So these are like fund- fundamental actions and commands from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, we learn regarding namaz that namaz was uh, all the commands that came down from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, be it uh, fasting, Hajj, Zakat, and all the other commands, Jibreel Islam brought them down. So it was via Jibreel Islam. But namaz, namaz is something, this stresses the importance. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, gifted namaz at the time of Mi'raj. So we know Mi'raj, uh, the, our belief is that the Prophet physically uh, went from Haram, in, uh, from Mecca to Jerusalem, and from Jerusalem to the heavens, and he went. Uh, beyond where every, even Jibreel Islam couldn't go past. And he went to the court of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They, they had a conversation. Uh, and at that time, namaz was given. So this, the reason for this, Allah ta'ala, why, we need to ask, why did Allah ta'ala chose namaz for this, to give at this uh, time in Mi'raj? Why could it not be fasting? Why could it not be in hajj? Or why, why did it give anything? Why, it should have just been a conversation. So why? So it stresses the importance, the importance of namaz in a Muslim's uh, life. So we know the importance, you know, every single Muslim, you, you meet anyone on the street, you ask them about namaz, regardless how they are, they will say namaz is very important. You have to pray namaz. Uh, but what, what I want to discuss about, because namaz, you know, we know, like I said, you ask anyone, you ask someone who's never come to the masjid, and you, but he's a Muslim, you ask him about namaz, He'll show full respect because he knows the importance of namaz. But what I want to touch on, because this is important, because we haven't got namaz in our life. So we need to know that, uh, we need to know why we haven't got namaz in our life and how to bring uh, namaz in our life. So within a few minutes, inshallah, I want to discuss this. Because uh, everyone knows we have to pray namaz. It's five times for us. There's no point going over that. Yeah, because no. we, we already know. So we want to talk about real things that are happening in our community because we know that uh, this is something that was used to be said about... 10 years ago, you know, I used to go on Jamaat uh, and the elders used to say that 90% of the Ummah, this is 10 years ago, 90% of the Ummah is not praying Namaz. So and only 10% of the Ummah is praying Namaz. And from that 10%, 5% are praying it properly and 5% are not praying it properly. So if that is the case, Allah alam, Allah knows best if the figures are true or not. But we know, judging on our own locality, let's just look at our own locality, Queensgate area, for example, where our masjid is based. We know that a very small percentage come to uh, the masjid. So we, them, them figures will fit in our area. 90% are not coming to the masjid. We know that. 10% are coming to the masjid. And even from them 10%, we can know that 5%, unfortunately, are not praying it properly because they're not learning it. So the question is why and why we're not praying namaz? And how can we bring, this, how can we bring namaz into life? So why is it all comes down to our 
uh, concern of the hereafter. And this is with any actions in our life, uh, how our life is. Our life is dependent on how much we fear or worry about our hereafter. If we don't fear the hereafter or have our concerns regarding our hereafter, then the actions of Allah and the commands of Allah will, will be difficult to practice. Because we're not worrying about the akhirat, we're not worrying about... You know, we had sahabas, just mention quickly about Hazrat Umar and Hazrat uh, yeah. Abu Bakr, you know, the one, two of the greatest companions of the Prophet They were guaranteed paradise in this world. We know that. The Prophet told them in this world, while they were alive, that, oh Umar, you're going to Jannah, oh Abu Bakr, you're going to Jannah. So this is a guarantee from the Prophet You know, if it was me, I would have sat back and thought, you know what, I'm going to Jannah because Nabi Sallallahu told me. But this same Sahabi, as Umar used to say, because of the fear he had on the Day of Judgment, that uh, I wish I wasn't even born, so I don't have to face the, the, the Day of Judgment. And you know, sometimes Hazrat Abu, uh, uh, Abu Bakr would see a bird, uh, and he, he would say that I wish I was this bird, so I don't need to you know, have a worry and concern of the Day of Judgment. So these are Sahabas, companions, guaranteed Jannat. You know, they're definitely going into Jannat. But because of us not having concern for the hereafter, uh, these are not very important things in our life. world has become, you know, the world, unfortunately, because the time we're living in, uh, because Allah mentioned in the Quran, shaitan will beautify the world. So the world is being beautified, and because we're chasing the world, we're, we're not worrying about our hereafter. And I think that's one of the main factors. Why are we not praying namaz? Because if someone, had, if someone really had the concern of the hereafter, they would definitely pray namaz because they know it's compulsive. One of the, we, we always say it, we, we always hear this. It's one of the first things that will be asked in, in, you know, on the Day of Judgment. It brings but, me to my, I want to tell you, it's the, it's the first question in the grave, one of the first questions is about salam. We don't pass this malam, so what's going to happen to the rest of the questions? There's a lot of fear that brings into That's what Ulama say that this is, this is a sign. If you've not passed that question, that's a sign of your failure. And if you've passed that question, that's a sign of your success. So that's why, uh, because we're not even worried, when have we, you know, even myself, I'm involved in this as well. When, have we, when was the last time we sat down and thought, you know, what's going to happen to me in the cupboard? What's going to happen to me on the Day of Judgment? Uh, and these things, these are reality. We have to wake up because people are, you know, people, young die, old die. It's not because I'm young and healthy, I'm not going to die. End of the day, death will come and it can come at any time. We've had youth in Burnley, you know, are fit and healthy and they've you know they've just gone and left the world you know what so the, i think this is one of the main concerns uh, why we're not praying namaz one is that we don't have fear of the hereafter and what's going to happen to us uh fear uh, second reason is and this will be this probably will be mentioned in every point when it comes to our mouths anyway and action is our friendship and this is something that i want to touch upon uh, in this in this point before we move on is our friendship. Friendship, Nabi told us in a hadith that a person is on the religion of his friend. Meaning that we, however our French friends are, that's how we're going to be. So we, we see that. So if, for example, if I've got 10 friends and nine of, you know, out of, out of them, nine of them don't pray namaz and I'm, I'm the 10th, then naturally I won't pray namaz as well. Because I'm with them all day, chilling out with them all day. So if they're not praying namaz, I'm not going to pray namaz. But if you flip it, if all nine of them are praying namaz and I don't want to pray namaz, 
But because all of them nine are praying, then I'm going to have to pray namaz with them as well because I'm chilling with them. So friendships uh, is very important. Inshallah, you know, maybe some other time. No, no, inshallah. Uh, we'll take on so. No, Jazakallah for that uh, informative on the first topic. Um, a lot of people, uh, Mulan Asab, have them, including myself personally, in the past, Alhamdulillah, I've kind of moved on from it now, but sometimes they come into the heads, in, into the person's head. Like, so I've just, before coming to the message, for example, I've just sinned, and I sinned an hour ago, and I also sinned yesterday, and it's very likely that I'm going to sin again tomorrow. So I'm thinking in my head, there's no point in me in praying namaz because I've just sinned the major sins I'm talking, for example. And I know tomorrow I'm gonna, I've already got this planned. So why should I pray now? Is Allah even going to accept it? That kind of mentality, you know, people that are thinking this kind of thought, what would you say to them? Yeah, that's a good point. I think that's probably everyone thinks like that. Uh, the youth, especially who are involved in like, major sins, so you know, involved in drugs and major, major sins, they're probably thinking, why should, like you said, why should I pray namaz? Because I'm going to do kind of doing the same thing. So first of all, we need to understand this one point, that uh, these are two different actions. So just because you're sinning, that doesn't mean that you don't fulfill your, uh, the things that are made compulsory on you. Yeah? They're two different things. So it's no good you know, saying that I'm sinning, so I'm not going to do good. Uh, that, they're too different, so it's still compulsory upon you. Second thing I want to talk about is acceptance. That will Allah accept or not? End of day, no one can say, I can't say to you, Uzair, your namaz is not accepted. Yeah, because that's between you and Allah. Your heart knows. Uh, and Allah, only Allah knows your heart. I don't know your heart. So you might be you know, sinful, but in your heart, you're regretful. And you're praying this namaz you know, regretfully and having that thing mind that I still need to pray my namaz. So we should never ever think, I'm going to tell you a story about a person I know very, very personally. Okay. Very personally I know him. I'm going to tell, tell you how he changed his life because it totally links with this question of yours. This person was involved in drugs. Yeah? Uh, not just taking, selling. So he was taking heavily, he was on, heavily on drugs. Uh, you know, in his, in his young age, he was known as King Crone. Uh, king, you know, chronic, uh, weed killer, things like that. So this guy's, you know, involved in drugs, selling drugs, and every other bad things you can think of in the book. So when someone would see him, it would be is one of those you'd say this guy's never gonna come to the mosque, and he wouldn't, you know, even go Juma. You know, even if he went Juma, he would go high, or he would either miss it. So, so that's it. That's his. I'm talking about fifteen, twenty years ago. That same person, the very person I know, he's the Imam of the Masjid and he's, you know, he's changing so many people's life now, 10 years, 10 years on from that time. Let me tell you how he changed. I know him very personally. He changed because of one namaz that he started while he was stoned, meaning he, he was high. Under the influence of On the influence drugs. of drugs. He didn't even complete his namaz. But that changed his life. Subhanallah. Now... If I see someone on the street high and knowing his story and say, look, because you're high, don't, don't pray namaz. But knowing his story, this guy, he was like off it. And he changed his whole life because of his one namaz. He, he said, Allahu Akbar, whilst he's high. He got this in his mind. It could be from Allah, definitely from Allah, not even could be from Allah. Whispered in his mind that your namaz is not accepted. It was like a voice to him. He broke his namaz. He's, well, he feared so much that 
because of that action of his, that immediately, within months, he changed his life. It wasn't over a night thing to let go of everything, but it was just a few months because of that salah, which he didn't even pray. So that's why I always tell the youth, it doesn't matter how bad you are. It's you and Allah. Forget what any, if, next, if next person says your namaz is not accepted, uh, you're not allowed to pray namaz in this state. Forget that. Yeah? If you want to pray namaz, pray your namaz. Because that namaz, Allah says that namaz is, uh, is an action that stops you doing, from doing bad. Like this brother, like I know personally, now mashallah is the imam of the masjid. Mashallah. Uh, you know, youngsters, same, you know, you know, at one time when parents used to, you know, tell their children to stay away from this guy. They don't him. Now, you know, all the parents are saying, go and hang around with this guy. Because of this one namaz that he didn't even complete. Well, Allah says, Ajib, the way he changed his life. What an amazing story. Totally I mean, uh, I mean for, the, for myself here, you know, uh, it's hit my heart, that story personally. Uh, I'm sat in the masjid, I'm in the state of Wuzu, so I can personally say that. But those listeners, inshallah, so if anyone's going through this state, uh, I mean, people that are just thinking about the small sins they do, they look at the sin of this brother and how he changed, mashallah, Mulan as I mentioned. So, Jazakumullah khair for that, Mulan We'll move on to the second topic. Uh, yeah, is there anything else you wanted to cover on that uh, in terms of namaz and prayer? Or, uh, no, I just, just last thing, just for, for, for my youth, the message to the youth regarding this. Doesn't matter how you look, doesn't matter what state you are, go to the masjid and pray your namaz. And if you haven't got the courage yet to go to the masjid, go home and pray your namaz. Inshallah, one day you'll have courage to go. But don't, just pray your namaz. Whichever namaz you can pray, just pray. Don't worry about what you're doing or how you are. Alhamdulillah, perfect message, Mulan Sahib. I'm just going to move on to the second topic, Mulan Sahib. Uh, relationship and marriages. Uh, now, this is a huge topic, of course. Yeah, interesting uh, one, this one. Very interesting topic as well. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of listeners um, will be, of course, the first part of very important. This is also important as well. It's a big topic. We're going to all day discussing this. But we're going to focus yeah. on the main points. Obviously, we're aware of time. Uh, Maghrib's in an hour as well, inshallah. Uh, so you probably wear Mulan Sahib, the elders, maybe back in the day, um, maybe in your generation. Mulan Sahib is not all bad. The I'm, not all bad. <laughs> I'm not all bad. I'm not all A lot of them probably got my, like my parents, or for example, or any, anyone else's. Uh, the Pakistani culture, or Indian Muslim culture, or whatever Bengali you want to call it. They must have got married in the family, and they feel as though the same should be for this generation. Um, but a lot of the youngsters, the youth are against that. Um, would you agree times have changed, and like... Are they, is it eligible for a youth to argue with the family about not wanting to marry in the family because they may be too close to the girl or the guy? Um, what's your stance on this? Well, like I said, this topic can, it's an individual topic yeah. that we can go on for ages. So I'm just going to mention a few points uh, regarding this issue. First of all, uh, oh, the times, time, we always say time changes, but times, people have changed. Time always remains obviously the same. This is, it's just a phrase, time changes. Uh, but people, time doesn't change, time is the same, but people have changed. Uh, environment have changed because of the people. Again, environment is made from people. So environment changed because of people have changed. So when our parents, when we talk about 50, 60 years ago, uh, how they got married and the way they got married, I personally think that totally that way, 100%, it can't be done this in this day and age, fully. I'm not saying that we uh, it's the wrong way, but it's it, just the way because we have to understand the where our children have been brought up. And on this point, I want to mention before I carry on, uh, this all depends on the parents' upbringing of the child as well. 
It's a very important point, actually, I want to mention this. It's going to come up quite a few times, but yeah. This well, point will probably come up yeah, it will. a lot of time. It all depends on the upbringing of your children. If you gave them uh, an Islamic upbringing, they'll be more easier to, when it comes to marriage, they'll be more easier to uh, go around, go about it. Uh, the, the question about being a, for the child, to, is it eligible to argue with the parent? First of all, when you can't argue with the parents. That's not, no one, that's not eligible. <laughs> because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran uh, says, don't even say, oh, that's a different topic to the, about parents. Yeah. Uh, but Dean has taught Dean tells us that a, a person be it a girl or a boy cannot be forced into marriage this is a choice of the person who's getting married so no one can force it so unfortunately even in this day and age we have parents that try to force their children to get married to someone they don't even want to get married to so this is totally against Dean this is against deen and it's against Islam. Uh, first of all, we don't, we don't give them Islamic upbringing. We let them free. We let them do whatever they want. Yeah, and when it comes to marriage, we totally become, as parents, we become like dictators that no, you have to get married to this person or you have to get married to your cousin. You know, that, that, them times are gone. You know, them times are gone. Uh, you know, where, where you know, our, in our parents' time, they probably might not even seen each other until the first night. You mean in after marriage? Even in the nikah, they might have not seen each other. Yeah. And they got, I'll tell you a story about this. You know, stories relate to. People can relate people to People can relate yeah. to you know, Because the story so it's very important. And this is like in this day and age. Okay. So I had a friend of mine, he's an ali. It's a funny story. <laughs> he told me this himself, so I can. Watch it, that's the truth. And I know how it ended up as well. Because it ended up into, in a divorce. This his marriage. So he, he and this is this day and age. So he was, he graduated Alim and he had this false thinking. I would call it false thinking where you can't see the, uh, the girl before marriage. That's a false thinking, you know, in Islam that uh, you can't see the girl before marriage. That's not true. In fact, you, have, you should see the girl before marriage. Yeah, because this is not a joke. It's not like Nike trainers. You know, my nephew loves his Nike trainers. <laughs> He's one of those that spends hundreds and thousands. And he, he, last month he met me and he goes, uh, Mamu, you know what? You can design your own trainers, Nike trainers. I go, oh, is it? That's fine. And he showed me he designed his own. So I went online and you can design your own. Yeah. So I, it's not like changing your trainers, getting married. This is an important part of your life. So if you're going to get married, you need to make sure it's done correctly. So this, first of all, this is a false... Uh, Philosophy of thinking that way you can't you can't it's not allowed in Islam to see the girl So anyway, this this friend of mine, he had this false thinking and I think he you know became like a They call it in the, you know in the term of uh, Mashaikhs they call it khushk Sufi, dried Sufi. Yeah, that I'm not I'm gonna uh, Accept my parents choice and I'm not gonna see her Before the night, you know, my, so he goes to me, you know what my mom said, oh Kuri uh, Sony <laughs> yeah, you know how they say that. Yeah, yeah. So I thought, you know, standard. it's standard. It's, it's, she's, you know, she's good looking. Mom saying she's good looking. So Alhamdulillah, that's fine, you know. Uh, so they got married, and the first night, they saw each other on the first night, you know, when they're going together, and then, and he said to me, this, this is his words, Mona. When I first saw her, I didn't like her. That was his heart. First time. First night, his heart told him that. 
he doesn't even like her. Now, if that's the first night and his heart's already made that, remember the heart is the main part of the body. That's going to live with you the rest of your life. So he said to me, the first night, I didn't even like her. And my mum, when she said it, was, <laughs> it was funny when he said that. When my mum said that, Kurisonia, uh, she meant that she's physically fine. You know, she's got eyes, she's got knuckles, <laughs> she's not yeah, disabled or anything. Yeah. She's per- in that way. She's... So, end of day, after two, three years, he had a child with her. But after two, three years, the, we knew where it was coming to. If he's not going to, if he's not liked her in the first, on the first night, and that, it ended up, in, ended up in a divorce anyway. It was a lot of the time, yeah. I guess, it's, it's maybe because he's, he probably stood, stood by her because just to keep the parents happy as well a lot of the time because mm-hmm. people don't want to see the make the parents upset. So that mm-hmm. becomes difficult for the child as well, I guess. Uh, yeah, you know, parents in this day and age, you have to understand, especially, I'm generally speaking, people in living in England, because this we're talking about England, we're in England, we've, we've been brought up as, uh, you know, we, we're British, end of the day, we're British, and we've been brought up in England. Uh, so we have to look at the lifestyle of our children and... Each, each family is different. Each family is different. There might be one that's brought their child really practicing and, you know, uh, the child has, you know, left the marriage to the parents, which is the ideal way. But then again, even in that situation, it's still the girl or the boy's choice. So, alhamdulillah, the child, you know, this is the best ideal way. The child has left to the parents, that the parents will choose my spouse. Once the parents have chosen a spouse, now it's up to the child. Or not even the child, if, obviously if it's getting married. Uh, now it's up to the girl or the boy. If, this, if they don't want to get married to that person, they can kindly refuse that, look, I'm not with, I'm not with this one. So that's the ideal way. So they've been, one is that they've, let the, they've left their child right from the beginning until now marriage age, loose. That do whatever you want. You know, this person being in and out of... Uh, in his house, he's had girls, he's messed around with girls. Now you expect him turning around and saying to him, you've got to marry my niece or my uh, nephew in Pakistan. That's not going to happen. And end of the day, you know what happens? This is, this is a, parents message, a message to the parents, any parents listening, that what parents tend to do is use the, uh, they use this guilt, guilty conscience on the children. And this is totally wrong. You know, they make their child, you know, uh, feel guilty. That, you know, we, we bought you up, we've done all this to you, we've raised you up, and now look, and you know, the shed tears. So, obviously, the, the son or the daughter feels the emotion. F- emotionally, emotion you know, looks, blackmail. It's emotion blackmail, that's the word, emotion blackmail. And this happens a lot, parents do this, and it's wrong. End of the day, this is the, the, it's your son or daughter that's going to live with this person for the rest of life. So, we have to. You know, from we have to create that relationship from our parents. Again, it goes back to how we brought our, the children up. If we brought them in the correct manner, then inshallah, ninety nine point nine percent, there it will be an ideal way of marriage. Meaning, it will be done how it's supposed to be, where where the parents choose and the child accepts it and they get married. Uh, if you brought them up that way, then inshallah, that's how it's going to happen. But if you not brought them up that way. Then what will happen? Like, let me tell you something, Jose. Uh, what will happen? This cha- this boy or this uh, this girl will go get married because of your emotional blackmail, but and bring that poor girl over. But then on the side, he'll have someone else outside. Mm, so what? So you you'll be messing up so many families. That poor girl that's come from Pakistan is not her fault. That you know she didn't know that he's, he doesn't want to get married. She got married. Come here, and this next man, you know got another bird outside because he's not happy with her. So you know this marriage issue, 
Inshallah, one of your post- podcasts, whoever you want to invite, but keep it specifically for this t- issue. We'll do a diff- different, separate debate. So we can talk inshallah. on it a lot because yeah. it's, it's very common. You know, divorces are so common. Of course, yeah. No, no, marriages no. are not lasting for like a few years now. You know, in this new, new age marriages, we see it's so commonly that after a few years they break up. And we need to take these marriages very seriously. No, inshallah, that's fine. Uh, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna move on uh, swiftly. So I mean, focusing on this point, you've done quite a bit, but I'm just gonna say yeah. this: there's parents that that are out there, man. So they might be advised by the child that, or so I might go to my parents, or someone might go and say, "Look, mom, dad, I found someone, um, you know, and maybe you can take it ahead of their family, because I don't want to take any further, not to commit any guna." Um, so a lot of parents may lash out and get angry and how dare you etc it cause, cause a lot of trouble for the child and a lot of families mm. but I think one of the main important things personally which I think is lacking in the Asian culture and the community is parents telling their children from a young age at the age of maybe even 13, 14 it might sound very young but in this day and age saying if you know anyone or if you maybe get to know someone that you think maybe fits in the family at college or year 11 you know, whatever, uni whatever then let us know and we can look into it and that gives the child, the youth, confidence to say, you know what, my parents are confident Definitely. in me. They trust me. So I, I know this girl and she's educated. I'm in the same class and we've been talking. Nothing, no guna, nothing haram. I can confidently go back to my parents and say, look, uh, this is the case. If you want to discuss the family, we can do so before we emotionally get attached to each other. But when parents don't give them that kind of warning and the child is scared to go to the parents and tell them about this, it's all guna um, and haram things happening in the background. You, which well, is, you uh, hit it on the nail. That's how it should be. The relationship... With the parents again, this is for the parents, not for the children. The parents need to build, build parents, this relationship. A lot of the time, it's the parents. I won't say fault, but they need to pass that message on, like in a in a better manner, early age. Instead of it's not just the uh, child's exactly, fault. Exactly, you're right. They need to build a relationship with the children. That when the children come to this age, they're very confident on speaking to the parents about it, and that's the ideal way. You know, if the if the child found someone, it's the ideal way is let the parents deal with it now. But like you said, unfortunately, the parents are not ready to accept. They just lash out. Um, also, if anyone listening um, to this pos- podcast at the moment, um, if someone has a girlfriend or boyfriend and nobody, nobody knows about this, we've touched on it briefly, and this is a hidden relationship. If someone listening right now knows they've got a partner and no, no one knows about it and it's hidden, it's a haram relationship. Right now, if someone listening, what advice would you give them in terms of moving forward and keeping it halal to avoid any sort of sin? But it's like you said, the best way is... Uh if you're involved in any haram relationship, first of all, it's, you know, it is end of day, it's haram. That's end of story. We can't, you know, uh, compromise. We can't yeah. argue with it. Best way is talk to your parents. That's the only way out. Talk to your parents. Make them understand that I've, you know, and really that should have been done right. That should be the first stage. What happens usually is, this is the most important point, and we'll finish on this point, that what happens usually is we... Go, we, we tell the parents at the end stage when our emotions are, and our hearts are already taken over and you know it'll be very hard now to separate so when if parents say no or if 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 you find out that this wasn't the right person your heart's going to be hurt so the first stage should be that we if we found someone that we like we tell our parents and they'll deal with it but if you're already in, involved like you said you're already involved you got a girlfriend or a boyfriend you've had them for a year maybe two years and you think that this is the perfect person for me then don't wait just get it go to your parents make them understand if they don't understand get an elder of the family who you know who you got a good connection with they are understanding they're respected within the family get them to speak to your parents 
and get it done as soon as possible. The, the sooner you can get uh, your nikah done, then at least you're away from this har- uh, haram act of this haram relationship. So that's the, I think the best way is uh, speak to your parents straight away. If you think your parents are not one of those that will understand, then ask another elder of the family. Maybe your older brother, older sister, uncle, auntie, anyone that you can, you know, you got a good connection with. Get them involved and get it, get it done the halal way as soon as possible, inshallah. Jazakallah for that, Mulan. So this is obviously, you know, I've got a full page on this. Every other topic is quite small. And I know you really want to, we, we can, again, inshallah, I'm sure people will listen. We can yeah. go again into details. But I'm just going to ask you a few more pointers, which are really important that stood out to me. Now, this next point, it really, personally, it really gets to me and winds me up. Um, I don't know about you. I'm sure it does to you as well. Uh, but the deal, I know, you, I know you're going to ask me maybe 10-15 minutes, but obviously like I said, we don't have time. There's the big deal in our culture made about caste, or there are mochi, or there are now you can't marry them. What will people say? What will they say? But the funny thing is, in my head, now you're the ones charging 20-30 quid for a haircut nowadays. They're the most minted ones. Um, I mean, uh, uh, in a sense, Molana Sab, can this be called racism? You know, they're mochi, or we're bigger than them, we're jodri, we're this, we're that. And I know it's a lot of it's back home, but even now you hear of it. Yeah, this casting it still goes on. It's not gone. Even in England, it's not like it stopped. Uh, the casting it still goes on. There's few points in here. First of all, it depends how you look at it. If you look at it in the way that you think you're better than that cast, then this is wrong. This is you know it comes. In, you can call it racism or prejudice or anything. But uh, one point is to understand is that uh, when it comes to caste, is obviously a minor. Sometimes it's like a different. You know, you're two different person, like one's like Pakistani and the other's Bangladeshi or whichever country. So th- this is very, it's not a common thing. You know, out of 100, you might find couple that are married out of uh, like a totally different, out of co- different country. Uh, but one thing we have to look at is mentioned in the uh, books that it is, it is best to find someone that's similar to you, similar to your home, that understands you, your culture, your ways, uh, there's more chance of working out. But then, then this doesn't prevent, though, marrying out of... It's not like it's haram. Uh, so that's why we have to look at it in two ways. One is that if, you, if you're in this mind that, no, you know, we're better, or that caste is, you know, lower than us, or he's a, he's a Bengali and, how, and we're Pakistanis, how can you marry a Bengali? This is wrong. You know, this shouldn't happen. Uh, ideally, the marriage should be, uh, is, better, is better in a way that you find who's similar to, you, to yourself. Yeah, that's the ideal one. But if someone falls for someone who's totally different, different culture, different background, different language, yeah, then that doesn't mean that we're not allowed to go get married or the parents should say that, no, uh, he, he's you know, totally different. We shouldn't stop our children if they you know, want to marry someone out of the out of caste or even out of our culture or even a uh, totally different country that shouldn't be the the case the case yeah and also if you take this take this situation outside of marriage you see uh, maybe back home more than here people walking around saying i'm jodri and making like maybe the the lower caste if you want to call it or whatever you want to call it the people that are working on the shoes and the hairdressers you know pointing fingers at them or in a way treating them in a way that they're so low uh, making them feel like you know yeah. a piece of dirt on the shoe if you want, if you want to call it yeah. uh, just to these people a message to these kind of people that have that sort of ego and kind of you yeah, know well, the ten well, man walk kind this of is, this is haram this is racism in this a is way. racism and racism in Islam uh, is haram end of story and because Allah mentioned why he's created caste and different that's to recognize each other 
you know, different. For example, you know, I'll give you an example. If I say to you, uh, oh, do you know that Wasim uh, is a good friend of mine? You're gonna say which Wasim? Which Wasim? I'm gonna say you know Chaudhry Wasim. Oh, yeah. So you, oh yeah, Chaudhry Wasim. Yeah, no Chaudhry Wasim. So it's to recognize people. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to status, in the eyes of Allah, the the only difference between status is how how more pious you are. And Allah mentioned that the difference between people or uh, the status is depends on piety. So racism racism is totally haram. And those people, you know, have think that they're better than them, it comes down into taqabbur. And we know Prophet ﷺ mentioned in a hadith that a person who has uh, even a, a, small, a small minute iota of taqabbur in his heart uh, will not enter into Jannah. So me saying that I'm better, that means I've got uh, taqabbur. What's English for taqabbur? Ego. Ego. ego okay. yeah, that, yeah, ego. So that, that, is, that is haram uh, at the end. Yeah, no, no, I, th- I thought so. But I just wanted to clarify the position. Um, just another thing, the Asian culture, uh, the Pakistan, there's a lot of problems in here. You know, you think about um, issues in our in our culture, the Pakistani especially, uh, divorce women, in a way, they, look, they looked at in a way which isn't the best and they kind of look down upon, you know. Like you said, divorce, the word is being thrown about nowadays. Like yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a piece normal. of whatever, you know, it's a bit of fun. Yeah, yeah I've done that, divorce done. Uh, I've said it three times or whatever else. But yeah. it's very sad that these sisters are looked down upon and many of them struggle to marry again. Yeah. Why is this the case? And is there anything we can do in terms of as a Ummah community? I know it's been going on for years, and I know I'm not saying we're going to say something that's going to totally change it. But yeah. is there any way? The only way is that is to have to have these discussions, make them, you people know, aware. people aware uh, of the situation. The divorces, you know, shouldn't be looked down at. Uh, the Prophet peace upon him himself, married uh, divorces, yeah. So that shouldn't be the case. I think it's it's just a cultural thing again. And when it comes to culture, if it's, if it's in line with deen, then alhamdulillah, take that. If it's not in line with deen, it's a time, it's a time that we let go of our culture that's not in line with our deen. Uh, we have to move on from this. That's a great I, point. You know, we, we've progressed in so much, we have to progress in this, that if our culture is in line with in our deen, then alhamdulillah, stick with your culture. But if any culture, that, if any part of our culture is not in line with our deen, then let go of that part of the culture, then inshallah we'll move on. So again, this is just cultural thing again. Inshallah. Um, and if anyone, any of the listeners will answer in the process of looking for their spouse, uh, what would you say the main things they need to look for? Obviously people say looks and this, that, and well, the got, height and everything else, but what's the main we've got hadith on that as well. few points that need yeah. to be looked at? We've got, hadith, we've got hadith on that. Uh, the Prophet mentioned, mentioned, to the nearest meaning, if I can remember correctly, that there's four things that you should look into uh, uh, a person. It says, his deen, uh, if I'm, his uh, akhlaq, which is his character, his looks, and his his lineage, his nasab. In those days, it, like it was about caste, but in this days we can say, you know, how how would I put it in this day and age? We stick with nasab. But the main two things, the Prophet said that. But out of the four, the main thing is the deen. Look in, look how person. Uh, how much deen that person's got it's a, if it's a girl how much uh, Islam has she got in her life if it's a boy how much Islam uh, secondly akhlaq these two things I think we should concentrate on uh, because at the end of the day the love Allah puts love into people's heart yeah, so if the looks looks are important don't get me wrong yeah, you got to like the person like I told you the story of my friend he didn't even like her so that's not going to that's not going to work out is it so looks are important if you but looks doesn't mean that she, she has to be a perfect, you know, very most beautiful. Everyone, everyone's uh, 
beauty defined is different you know in, in each country as well beauty defined in a different way you know in some places in africa they have you know women they have like big holes in their ears massive holes and they're dangling that's a sign of beauty for them in that country but when if we look at it we think what a odd ugly looking thing yeah because it's not it's not something normal for us so but for them so beauty defining is for every person beauty is different so you don't if you like a girl but look at the character character is very important yeah and they both have to you have deen islam and character because you can be deen dal but you can be a really bad character person and that unfortunately is not a good person then yeah, yeah because character is because marriage remember even though marriage is a is it's a command it's a son of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam it's it's from the deeds it's a good deed but it it falls into muasharat meaning uh, uh living together so when you're living together what matters is character you know how is that person is he if he's a man if if he is as he got anger problem is he's going to start beating him beating him up and everything so i would advise if you're looking for a spouse is look at look at deen and character Yeah inshallah the beauty the looks and everything Allah will put love in your heart but if you got someone who's practicing and when i say practicing proper practice like the deen that nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam taught us and secondly he's got good character and again when i say good character that means his his character is resembling the character of nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam then you will live a happy life yeah and if you have these two in a spouse uh, deen and character then alhamdulillah you'll have a good life inshallah, inshallah. Exactly. Most of like I said, we're going to touch upon that topic. We're going to have a different debate. I know there's a lot yeah, we can we can spend another hour on that itself. Yeah. Um, we're going to move on to the third topic now, inshallah. Um, again, this is another huge topic. Um, always discussed. You always hear about it, even in the media, social world, and everywhere else. Uh, again, we'll we'll keep it short, inshallah. Um, yeah. Masa, if you celebrate Milad, I can't call you a kafir. And yeah. if I don't celebrate Milad. Do I become a kafir or suddenly as someone who doesn't love the Prophet peace be upon him? Yeah, you know what? This everyone knows my stance on this because I openly say it, uh, in our. And this uh, is why I avoid this. From, uh, this is why I avoid this. From the Bible, I remember so. Alhamdulillah, Muazz Haksab Alhamdulillah, Allah Taala grant him. I mean, I think when he made me Imam here, well, I learned so much from that person. Uh, I take him as a, my teacher. Um, so I learned so much from him. I remember when the first milad of came when I was imam. So when I became imam, the first milad. So my juma when it was my juma, it was my juma. So I did it on milad. <laughs> and when I went to the office, he goes, I remember guys of Al Haji Sa was signing the office. He goes, Masha, Masha, Allah, I'm not to milad. Go, absolutely, guys. You know what guys are. Allah Taala give him jannat and firdaus. What an amazing person. May Allah Subhanahu make this building. Every sajda, every good deed that takes place in this uh, masjid, I mean, so anyway, everyone knows my stance on milad. But to just quickly touch upon it, I think this this topic is dying out, alhamdulillah, within the youth uh, to such an extent. It's not as bad as how it used to be. It might be still uh, in our elders, but within the youth, we all understood the the stance on milad. Yeah, it's not a fundamental belief. The, you going into jannah does not depend on this belief that do you believe in milad do you accept milad or do you celebrate milad or do you not celebrate believing in milad you know everyone believes in milad so i don't even like using these terms you know they are bandi and bravery obviously milad is between these two groups really 
well, there's earlier desanitizing, but we'll stick with Deobandi and Brevin. I don't like using them terms. Uh, I just want to make that clear. But obviously, because we're talking about Milad, so uh, what was I going to say? So we all accept Milad. And we all value, you know, the, the birth of the Prophet the month of Rabiul Awal. You know, our great ulama of Deoban used to uh, celebrate. And when I say celebrate, we have to understand celebrate. Because it's an English word. Uh, because when we say celebrate, what comes to our mind? We think of parting the cakes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so the reason why these ulama made Milad, uh, the ulama of Deoban made Milad, you know, if you read their books, that we shouldn't celebrate it. Because in those days, and it happens, you'll see it now on YouTube, people go over the top. Yeah, they actually do celebrate, you know, like proper parties where cakes are bought. I've seen one on YouTube where they were singing happy birthday, happy birthday to you. That's, that's where it goes beyond. And that's why the ulama said that, you know what, the people have gone, have took this next level. You know, like the, uh, like the Christians, you know, took Isa al-Islam, uh, they went beyond uh, respect of Isa Islam and made him the son of God. So that's what, you know what, we all, uh, we all accept Milad, we all understand the importance of the birth of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But I think that's, I think that's dying out now anyway. Yeah, I don't think that, that, that's an issue, Alhamdulillah. You know, our ulama, our youth have understood that it's not, if, you, if everyone celebrates Milad. You know, I asked once an imam uh, of uh, uh, one of the Goshia masjids, that if I, on, in Muntur Rabi'ul if I was to sit at home and do Durush Sharif because it's Muntur Rabi'ul Awwal, what do you think he said? That's celebrating Milad. That is Milad. So... I think the word celebrating, I think... When is that word yeah, celebrating? the word mm. celebrating which has been taken out of proportion and people... And I could say celebrating means just doing Durush Sharif. Durush Sharif. could say celebrating means having a party. Yeah. Someone else could say it means having cakes. So, so, so you, you know the bottom line on yeah. this is... Within limits of within deen, the limits, yeah. within the limits of deen, we all do it. You know what? We, you know, unfortunately, in our youth, the one who's not being told or still not got out to this point, they'll just say, "Oh, uh, there's milad happening in Goshia Mosque." Stuff for Allah. What you know? How can they do that? But the next day, they, we'll have a bit beyond on the seerat of the Prophet sallallahu yeah. It's two different names, but the exactly same things happening. If you go to their milad. They're doing not on the Prophet and the Seerah is mentioned. If you come on out, if you come to the Seerah conference, the not on the Prophet and Seerah is mentioned. It's exactly the same thing. You call it iron brew if you want. It doesn't really matter. So yeah. I think, but again, like I said, I think this is died out now. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. this this is gone out. You know, milad thing. Uh, we all understand each other's stance. And what was said before, we remember that was said for that time. That's another thing, people. So you pick up a, they pick up a fatwa book from a day of Bundi that was written in the in the sixties or seventies, and it says it's it's a bid to uh, celebrate Milad. But at that time, you have to understand the reason why they said that. You know, people were going crazy. You know, that proper celebrating with parties, like having parties. So this is the reason why they said it. We're looking in our time and look at your specific town and everything. Don't look at what's happening in Pakistan in some village, bichari that are so far of. The, no one's gone and told them, them about them deen. So they're just doing what they think is deen. Uh, so if they could, you know, celebrating and going crazy over this Milad thing, going beyond the limits, don't judge the whole Ummah now. Based on one village. Based on that one village. There, which, you know, it's, it was our job to go teach them. If no one's taught them, that's their part of the, their understanding of deen. Let them be. Uh, but Alhamdulillah, no, it's, I think it's it's a valid point, Alhamdulillah. Milad is gone. You know, yeah, no, Alhamdulillah. Issues. 
a very uh, interesting event. Mulana Saab obviously here in the masjid. Um, when it comes to Ramzan and Eid, half of Mulana Saab's family. Uh, <laughs> no, half, all of them. Uh, all, all his family, we can <laughs> all say. All my family. All his my family, immediate family. All his immediate family. Yeah. is very interesting. They celebrate Ramzan on a different day, the second day, and they also celebrate Eid on the second day. If it falls day. So on a different day. If it falls on a different day. And Mulana Saab celebrates it the first day. So subhanAllah, and they, and they still get along. And, and this just shows the love uh, between the families and how... Uh, how it doesn't have to be an issue So inshallah I want to touch on that one Because Milad And this was a different tissue uh, Issue So one two minutes On this one You know this moon satin thing None of us are You know even me I'm not yeah, Who is right My next question was, was Who is right Who is wrong And many people Just follow the local mosque So they're like yeah. They don't oh, really so know So that's the question I'll answer that as yeah. well Yeah, We're all right That's bottom line is We're all right Yeah, Both groups are right Yeah We've been told by right from the beginning, Deen, you know, Kaisar used to say this, Deen it'aad ka naam, meaning Deen means to follow. Yeah, so our teacher, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, then teachers, you know, ulama came and teachers came to pass on the Deen. So we follow our scholars. It's not for every Tomdik and Hari and any layman to sit down and, you know, sometimes we sit in the mosque, especially in Ramzan, you know, after Fajr, we have, like to sit around, uh, especially at the golf time. Bucharya Takar boys, we sit after Fajr and he goes to discussing these topics. And if we look at it, first of all, there might be in that whole group, there might not be a single alim. And you're discussing an issue that's for ulama. And secondly, in that whole group, none of us have studied astronomy or anything about Musatin. And we're doing big debates. So leave this for the scholars. End of the day, if the scholars are wrong on the day of judgment, we are not going to be asked. Alhamdulillah We're not going to be asked Why should we worry about it And if the scholars Did it Out of thinking They're right Within Sharia They're not going to be asked as well If they got the proofs And the reasons And just say that Then proofs and reasons Were wrong Even they're not going to be asked As long as they they Didn't do it for their ego You know the scholars Didn't let go Of an issue Because of ego so Ramzan and this moon satin thing, inshallah a time will come when uh, uh, it will all go back to normal. Yeah, there's, a, there's a history of why we went to, why, why we left Morocco and followed, started following Saudi, why people started come, come back to, this is a long t- topic, we don't need to, you know the best thing to do is uh, Just leave it be. follow your local masjid. Yeah, whichever masjid you go to, follow them, don't say he's right, don't say he's wrong, I'm telling you they're both right. They're both right. I remember your behind a few years ago, a couple of years ago on Eid Day, you were saying, if you want to do Eid today with us, then you do Eid today and it's accepted. If you want to do Eid tomorrow with someone else, you go do it with them and it's accepted. If you want to go day third day with Pakistan, <laughs> then it's still accepted, it's accepted inshallah. Man, it's so it's, it's done, you know, alhamdulillah. We've got 10 minutes remaining on the clock. I'm just going to move on to the fifth topic. All oh, right, yeah, come on, inshallah. Let's get uh, So this is to do with the youth. Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a big problem on the side at the moment. You obviously know, I know myself. Again, another topic we can probably go on for a long yeah, time. Man, all these topics are... Uh, they're just major topics. Major you got to try to fit in. Obviously, it's my first podcast, so quite a bit of excitement. But uh, <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get you on again, inshallah. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a huge problem. I'm not even talking the cities, man. So Manchester, Birmingham, Bradford, uh, London. I'm talking about our small towns here. Um, the behaviour in terms of money, cars, and drugs, uh, speeding up and down the roads, um, hanging around street corners at a young age where they're heavily influenced by the money. Um, how easy it is to earn a monthly income in a few days. Um, you know, again, parents play a big role in this. Yeah. What message can we give to them? And what message can we give to a youth or someone that might be listening to the age of 13, 14 that is actually drug dealing today working for someone that's 21, 22? Yeah, well, first of all, to the parents. Uh, and here I'm talking general because 
everything's jammed. We're not looking at few cases because there are sometimes there's a case where parents are not practicing, and mashallah, the children become really pious and practicing. And there's sometimes the cases are that you know the 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 father might be a big alim, but his child might be a big drug dealer. Yeah, so these are some cases, but I'm talking on a general basis. Yeah, it all depends on the parents' upbringing. How you bought your child, and then again, like I mentioned again, later, then obviously, it's out of the hands if the child goes on off the wrong. If if you fulfilled your the right way of upbringing and the child went on the wrong path, then that's a, you know. But generally speaking, when if you give them a good upbringing, I know good upbringing. You know when we say Islamic upbringing, Islamic upbringing is not beating them up and waking them up for fajr. That's not Islamic upbringing. You know, you kick your child or you know at fajr time or get up and pray your namaz. Zor time, you slap him and pray namaz. You know, sit them down and that's not Islamic upbringing. Islamic, forced. They want yeah, to do Islamic themselves. upbringing is making a good relationship with your child, yeah, and teaching them the deen and the character of Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and that can only happen if the parents are doing it themselves. Unfortunately, unfortunately, yeah, majority of the parents are not practicing deen themselves. Yeah. So because they're not practicing the in themselves, it's very it's very rarely it only happens in a certain cases where the children will be deemed that. But most likely the ch- children will not be deemed that. And if they're not deemed that, then it's more likely for them to go on the wrong path. Yeah, I'm not saying they could, they won't they can they won't go on the right path. But most likely we're talking about more likely here. But if the, if you gave them a good Islamic upbringing, then they're more likely to be saved from going off the, on the wrong path. So that's why parents is very and. You know, don't look at this or start from the age of seven. Yeah. From one to seven, the Bissar said, pray with, you, pray with the child. So you should pray, play again within, this, within the uh, limits that Islam has given us. Uh, today, unfortunately, and even I'm involved in this, you know, technology and tablets and phones, you know, I'm five years old. Keep them disturbed, yeah. The, and it's just an easy way for, you know, I'm a parent as well. It's just an easy way for us to. Uh, keep them busy and not, you know, so they don't get us on our, don't give us a heading all day. And we give them a tablet and make them sit down. Or, so, you know, they, it's very detrimental. I remember when Sheikh Hassan Ali came here for three days, he mentioned that, uh, that he, in, in his home, his children, now they've grown up, but it was only one hour a week that they were allowed to go on, uh, on the tablet. Because that's how this, you know, this tablet and phone is destroying yeah, people. But anyway... Uh, you need to give them a good uh, Islamic upbringing. Become their friends in a sense that some people take this wrong way. Because I mentioned this in one of my beyonds when I talked about uh, parents and children. I mentioned that become friends. And then I, some people take this wrong way. That doesn't mean literally friend that they think uh, literally you're his friend. Because the respect and that value of parents go down, then that same child one day will turn around and say, no, do one. Because that's how, you know, friends speak. When I say become friends is that, that the child, when they're growing up, shouldn't need to look anywhere else. They should first, when they're in problems, the first person that should come in their mind to solve it is my dad or my mom. And I, I need to go speak to my dad and mom about this. Uh, so then you can guide them. But if that's not the case, they're going to ask someone else. And if, whoever they're going to ask, they might guide them to the wrong path. So start from a very young age. At the age of seven, you know, stop giving them good upbringing. Keep them away from bad. And inshallah, most likely, this, this child will be, you know, uh, kept away from uh, evil when they grow up. Because the main age is the high school age. 
when the primary school age, they were mainly masoom. And we see in our maktab as well, that until they're in year six, this child, you know, really masoom. And the only bad thing he does, he maybe talks or calls someone potato and that, that's their bad thing. <laughs> yeah. But as soon as year seven comes, we, we see, whoa, this child totally changed now. Yeah. It's because obviously the, the peer pressure and everything kicks in. So this is the age where, unfortunately, what happens, this is for the parents that are listening. Parents take their children out of the maktab. Yeah. Usually at the age of 10, 11. Why? Because they finished the Quran. Because usually maktabs, they finish the Quran at the age of year, uh, 10, 11. Like we finish our Quran at year 6. So parents take them out. That's the only connection they had with the masjid and someone who, you know, who is Islamic, who can tell them good things. Now they're taking them out and they've got no connection to the masjid. So if they, and when they go on the wrong path, then same parents come and say, Mohammed, I made dua for my child. Or can you explain? But you took him out, you know, you took, took your child away from us at the age of 10. This was the main age where they're going to go off the wrong path. Before that, inshallah, they won't. Before 10, you, very rarely you'll see someone under 10 that's drug dealing or something. It's after that age. This is the main age where you keep them connected with the masjid. And keep them connected with the, with the teachers of the masjid. And alhamdulillah, we're living in an age that every masjid have British-born imams and teachers. That have been brought up in the in this country that can relate to them. The norms. And you know our kids love us. They they talk to us. You know, uh, like I'm not even into football. Yeah. I, I stopped following football when uh, Robbie Fowler used to play for Liverpool. I was a Liverpool yeah. fan, and in those days it was Robbie Fowler, McManaman, uh, forgot the keeper's name, James, Summer James, David James, David James. Yeah. So that's a long time ago. After that, I'm not following football. So if you're talking. So they talk about that kind of stuff and you kind of engage with them. So what I do now, I go on BT, the, the, the YouTube BT Sport uh, channel. It does three minutes highlights. Yeah, videos and stuff, yeah. Three minutes yeah. of preview. So I just I watch them because I know I've got my new fans and hardcore my new fans in my class. So when my new... Because I know my uh, Liverpool fan, the Liverpool was on a streak yeah. Yeah. in the season. They were on a streak, yeah. in it, And then yeah. they lost against Israeli. Watford. <laughs> That's the one. Watford. Well, I'm not lying. I'm not into football. Yeah, the way I'm talking, Martin, you know, what <laughs> I know about football, it's all because of that two, three minutes I've watched, so I can relate to my yeah, children. So we've got hardcore Liverpool fans, so the next day I went, I go, you know, oh, I'm still, you know. And he actually said to me, you know, Allah marzi, but of course, you know, you know, inshallah, don't worry. So we've got teachers, so don't take them out of the mosques. Finally, message to the, because we've got a few minutes left, message to the youth who are in their teenage, teenage years. Look, lads, this is a very important. You either make your life now or you break your life. This is your chance now. Either you choose the right path and live it. I know I'm 33 years old. Yeah. I know people that are doing the same things that they're doing now at my age when they were 15. Yeah. Because they chose the wrong path. They're 33 on their 40s and they're doing things that they used to do when they were 15. Yeah, because that's, they chose the wrong path. The mentality so is still there. Don't, don't spoil your future. Well, Lord, this is, you know, drugs, this is all temporary uh, buzz, temporary happiness. But in your heart, I, this is my last message. Yeah, because time's going to finish. And we, again, we can go on. In, whoever's listening to me, youth, who are on the bad track, before you go to sleep today, ask this to, you, ask this to yourself. And ask sincerely that, are you happy? Just ask that to yourself. And wallahi, wallahi, I can tell you, your heart will say you're not happy. So that means all these drugs, cars, money is not making you happy. 
So if that's the question, then inshallah, come and contact me, come to the masjid and inshallah we'll sort it out for you. So my, my last message, I repeat again. Tonight, before going to sleep, or whenever you listen to this uh, podcast, before going to sleep, if you were involved in drugs, cars, money, uh, ask yourself, that, uh, are you happy? Jazakumullah khair, There's a few more points, but we can do the next time. Wanna thank you for your time. Once again, really appreciate it. Inshallah, the listeners will benefit from the discussion. May Allah guide us all, inshallah. Inshallah. Um, thank you to the listener for tuning in. Our first ever episode of Let's Talk, and inshallah, we continue the good work. Jazakumullah khair. Assalamu alaikum. Wow.